hands and worship him. Hallelujah. Come on and magnify him. Stand against the Lord. No one can, no one will. Who can stand against our King? No one can, no one will. Victory. 
over depression, over pain, over sorrow. I know it's in his hands. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Victory belongs to Jesus. Just lift your hands to Jesus and worship him. Hallelujah. 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 Just lift your hands and worship him. Thank you, Father. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. We magnify you. We worship you. We praise you and we lift you up. Father, we just thank you for this beautiful day that you have made. We choose to rejoice and be glad in it. You are an awesome God. You're all together lovely. We just magnify you this morning. We worship you. We give you all the praise. We give you glory and we give you honor. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your unfailing love, for you are unfailing in your love. We just thank you for your presence. Hallelujah. Lord, have your way today. Minister to each and every one of us. Use us for your glory and honor. Do a new thing in each and every one of our lives. Open up our, our hearts that we may receive the word of God this morning. That incorruptible seed of the word of God, let it be deposited deep on the inside of each and every one of our hearts. Let none of us leave this place the same, but set us on fire. Set us on fire for you, for your word, for your presence. Let us end this year with a, with a bang. Let it be an explosive end to the new year, to the end of this year so that we can just bust into the new year. And Father, we just want to thank you for everything that you're going to say today, everything that you're going to do. We just worship you for it. We give you all the praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, everybody. Let's just give Jesus a praise. Come on, you can do better than that. Give Jesus a praise. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. You know what? Why don't you just get up out of your seat, go to somebody, give them a hug, a good handshake, and welcome them to the house. Tell them it sure is good to see you in the house of God this morning. Come on, get up out your seat and go greet somebody. Just go greet somebody and share the love of Jesus with them. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, yes, yes. Glory. 
many, 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 many men. All right. All right, all right, all right. It's good to see you guys this morning. Well, glory. Hey, what's up? <laughs> well, glory. All right. How's everybody doing this morning? You guys good? All right. We're going to get ready to get right into the word of God this morning. If you need a Bible, just raise your hands. We'll make sure that you have one. Yeah, anybody? If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Glory to Jesus. If you have your Bibles, just open up to First uh, John chapter 5. All right. Glory to God. Yep, first John chapter five. All right, so we're gonna get right into the scriptures this morning. So you guys know that I've been, for a number of weeks, I've been talking about just what we need to do to prepare for the new year. And um, I want to continue on that theme as we, we're getting close to, this, to, this, uh, to the end of this year. We're about to finish this year, cap it off, and bust right into the new year. So... Um, for a number of weeks, I've just been trying to make sure that we're all prepared for what God is ready to do in our lives. And I say, I say that, God being ready to do things in our life, because, you know, um, we try to put everything off on God like he's just going to do everything. See, he, in, he intends to do things, right? He has an intention to do things in our life. But whether or not we're obedient or disobedient will be the the key to the puzzle that will determine whether or not we will receive what God is trying to do in our lives or if we'll be able to walk in it. So that's why I've been trying to really just kind of lay a foundation and talk to you guys about some things that, you know, we need to do in order to be prepared for what he has for us because God got great things in store for us. He has great plans for our lives, but we have to line up we have to get into agreement with what he's doing. And as we begin to do that, then it will lead us to that land of blessing and prosperity and favor. So I'm going to get right into the scriptures. But in 1 John chapter 5, we're going to read 14 and 15. Now, this is, I'm reading in the Amplified Version. And um, this is very important. You know, this right here is, is the key. I call it the key to answered prayer. If you get this down, then, you know, you can get 100% of your prayers answered. How many of you would like to have 100% of your prayers answered? Oh, amen. That's all. Okay. But this is the key right here. If you can get this down, you can get 100% of your prayers answered if you just are aware of this. So in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, 
it says, this is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to and we have before him. That is, if we ask anything, see, anything, if we ask anything, now this is the key, according to his will. <laughs> if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know for a fact, as indeed we do, that he hears and listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted, that he has granted us the request which we have asked from him. So this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, see, that's the key, not anything. Not, not anything, but if I ask anything according to his will. See, I can't ask God for somebody else's wife. <laughs> That's not according to his will. <laughs> I can't ask God to give me a, a six-pack of beer. <laughs> now, I could go buy it, but <laughs> I can't ask him for it because that's not according to his will, you know. Uh, you know, I, they, if you ask anything, so you can't stop there, though. But if you ask anything according to his will, then we know, number one, that he hears us. And if he, he hears us. See, if you begin to ask for stuff that's not according to his will, he ain't even hearing you. But we know that if we ask anything according to his will, number one, we know he hears us. And if he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we've asked him for. See, that's the key. Not, not anything, anything according to his will. Now I put here, this scripture contains a major key to receiving answers to all of your prayers. That is, does your prayer requests line up with the will of God? Does what you're asking for line up with what he wants for your life? See, we have a lot of plans about what we wanna do with our life. We have everything mapped out. You know, we have, you know, to the T, we know exactly what we wanna do. But see, that just because we wanna do something and just because we think that it's right or that it's gonna be good for us in the end, doesn't mean that that lines up with the will of God for your life. And so the key is finding out what is the will of God for my life. Because if I could find that out, that's the key to getting every single one of my prayer requests answered. And I put here, see, when you're praying for something, that, it, that is the number one question that you should be asking yourself. Is what I'm praying for lining up with the will of God? Then the question becomes, how do I know if my prayer request is aligned or in alignment with the will of God? You determine that. Number one, through the scriptures. That's the number one way. If God has already promised it in his word, then your request already lines up with his will for your life. See, that's why it's so important to read the word of God and to know what promises he has already made you. If you know what promises he's made you, then you know, then when you begin to pray, all you need to do is pray those scriptures back to him. <laughs> and I put here, his will and his word are synonymous. 
So the question now becomes, does my prayer request line up with the word of God? So the first question, does my prayer request line up with the will of God? Well, if it lines up with the word of God, then it lines up with the will of God. So that's why it's very important for you to begin to search the scriptures for what you're currently being challenged with in life. If you, begin, if you can find a scripture for what you're battling with in life and you begin to line your life up with that scripture, then you can be, begin to receive the benefit of that scripture. Because when you begin to pray it, he hears it. And if he hears it, then we have confidence to know that he's answered it. So I put here, if it does, if, the prayer, if your prayer request lines up with the word of God, then it also lines up with the will of God. Now you can pray with confidence, believing that God has both heard and answered your prayer. See, prayer requires confidence. See, when I, when I, when I pray, I'm not trying to shoot in the dark. I want to, you see, I don't, I don't pray just to hear myself talk. I'm praying for results. I want to see answers to the prayers that I'm praying. So I need to know, number one, is, is, is it the will of God for my life? Is this something that you want for me? Because if it's something that you want for me, then I already know that I have it. I just got to begin to get into agreement with what you have already said in your word. Begin to pray it back to you and then believe that you've already heard it. And you've already answered it. See, I know, see, that, that takes work. And that's the issue. See, digging in the scriptures takes work. Finding the promises of God takes work. Praying, praying them <laughs> for a period of time and then believing, it takes work. And that's why, you know, people don't want to do it. But if you, you want to really make progress, and really start gaining uh, ground in your life, it behooves you to begin to find out what God has already said about your situation and then get into alignment with it. So now, after you know the will of God, now you have to begin to do the will of God. Now in Hebrews 10, 35 through uh, 37, this is in the King James Version, it says, cast not away therefore your confidence, See, we get confidence, right, from knowing what God has said in his word. That's how we get the confidence. That's how we know that when we begin to pray, he has heard it and answered it. So now it's saying don't cast that confidence away because it has great recompense of reward. In other words, there is a reward to, to, that's attached to what you're believing for. And then it says, see, this is the key, though, for you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. So now it's saying here, now after I begin to pray, the will of God for my life. Now I have need of patience, not before, not during. I have need of patience after I've done the will of God. See, the, the Bible is full of his promises, but this is the key. His promises are conditional, which means that God often says, if you will, then I will. And so it says, 
after you've done the will of God. Not before you've, not before you've done it. Not, not, and not doing a part of it. <laughs> not doing some of it. But after you have done the will of God, then you have need of patience. And I put here, see, making sure that your prayers line up with the will of God is just the beginning of the process. Making sure that your prayers line up with the will of God will give you faith and confidence that God has heard your prayers. Now you have to make sure that you have done everything that the word of God requires you to do to receive that promise. As the scripture states, you will receive the promise of God after you've done the will of God. You see, every promise of God has a condition attached to it. Once you've fulfilled that condition, you have made yourself eligible for the promise. See, when you, when you meet all of the conditions, then you become eligible. Not before you've done it. Not while you're thinking about doing it. But after you've done it, then you make yourself eligible to receive the promise. So the Bible says, give, and it shall be given back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. Well, I want, see, everybody wants the right half of that. <laughs> they want to get without giving. And in that full scripture, God is talking, see, it's not just about money, because then he talks about, you know, if you'll be merciful, then I'll, then I'll be merciful. So we want mercy, but oftentimes we don't want to be merciful. So in other words, see, only the guilty need mercy. So it's only people that have wronged you that need mercy. If they didn't do anything, they don't need mercy. So we want to mess up and we want to just, you know, you know, ask God, have mercy on me, you know. But when somebody messes up, we don't want to have mercy on them. See, we want the right half. We want God to do his part. But we, want, we don't want to be, we don't want to do our part. He said, judge not, and you will not be judged. We want to judge everybody and then not be judged by God. See, there's conditions to you receiving certain things in the word of God. And if you don't line up with those conditions, you won't be receiving them. All right, everybody's real quiet in here. Everybody's quiet in here. Again, you have need of patience. After you have done the will of God. Now in Hebrews 6, 13 and 17. Now this is now talking about Abraham and the great promise that God made to Abraham. Do you know that his uh, promises came with some conditions? God told him, now I want you to leave your country, your brethren, your kinsmen, everything. I want you to leave it all and go to a place I'm going to tell you of, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. <laughs> he says, I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, see, the right hand of that sounds real good. I want to be blessed. Big time. So blessed. And, you know, everybody that blesses me will be blessed. And if you curse me, you, you know, you're going to be in trouble with God. See, we want all of that. We want... See, you, I'm going to make your name great. That means I'm going to make you famous. So you told Abraham now, I'm going to make you famous. Now, there was a condition to that. He had to leave everything he knew. 
Now, if you would have said, well, I can't do that. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that. How am I going to go? I'm going to leave everything I know. I can't do that. Now, if you would have did that, we wouldn't be hearing about Abraham today. Then God says, okay, I want you to prove your love for me. You love me? Yeah, I want you to prove it to me. <laughs> I want you to take your son, the one that you're in love with, your only son. I want you to take him up to the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him as an offering to me. Now, if he didn't go up to that mountain, we wouldn't be reading about Abraham today. Now, in obedience, he went up there. And, and it's beautiful because, you know, the Bible says that in the New Testament, it begins to say how when he was about to do that, he was convinced that if he had to go through with it, that God would raise him up even from the dead. And he received it in a figure like what, what happened with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he knew that God made him that promise. So either God was going to tell him you don't have to do it, or if he did have to do it, then God would have to raise him from the dead. But he had to, that's what he had to do in order to, to receive the promise. And then God asked you, you know, I just want you to trust me. Or I just want you to give. You know. This guy had to go offer his son. <laughs> I mean, he asked you, you know, he asked you to do. The stuff that he asked us to do pales in comparison. To what some of these men of faith had to be asked to do. <laughs> I need you to offer your son. He had to go up there with it. I mean, you know, knife. He, his, his son asked him, you know, I see the, you know, I see the, uh, the wood and I see the, the fire, you know. Where's the lamb? You it, boy. <laughs> and we also see there the obedience of Isaac, which is a type of Christ. Because he was old enough to say, I ain't doing that. And his father was 100 years old. So it's like, it ain't like Abraham could hold him, hold him down on that thing. He had to lay there willingly and obedient and sacrifice himself unto death. That's, that's a type of Jesus Christ. But you're talking about, see, this is the type of faith that these people had to have. And again, God, the stuff that God asked us to do pales in comparison. I need you to give a little money. I need you to give a little time. I need you to forgive so-and-so. because I know they hurt you, but I need you to forgive them. You know? All right, let me move on. I don't know. You guys just seem like you guys are not like into this message here, but I'm going to keep on moving. So now this is um, the faith of, you know, this is Abraham. So it says there in Hebrews 6, 13 through 17, it says, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. This is one of my favorite scriptures. You know, when you was young, remember when you were young and you wanted people to believe you? You'd be like, man, I swear to God, man. <laughs> and you know, if you did that, you meant business, man. I swear to God, man, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so God says to Abraham, he says, because he could swear by no greater. See, we swear, we swear to God because, because he's greater than we are. And the Bible says, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. <laughs> there ain't nobody higher than our God. So he said, I'm, I just swear by myself. He swore by himself, saying, surely, 
Blessing, I will bless thee. And multiplying, I will multiply thee. And then it goes on to say, and so, this is the key. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. See, Abraham had to, after, after obeying God, see, there's a process, right? You find out what the will of God is for your life. You begin to get into alignment with it by doing that will of God for your life. And then you have need of patience. That after you have done the will of God, you receive the promise. So now the Bible says that after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. So that's the final key, is that you have need of patience. Not before, but after you've done the will of God. Until you've done the will of God, you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. And after you patiently endure, you will receive the promise. See, before, see, a lot of people think they're waiting on God. But God's told you to do something five years ago. You ain't done it yet. And he said, you ain't waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. Soon as soon as you do the will of God, soon as you do what I've told you to do, then I, I'll begin to make moves. Some of, some of us need to go back to the last commandment that God gave us that we didn't obey. And pick up from there. Once we pick up from there, that last thing that God told you to do, you didn't do. Then you'll see God start moving. See, because God will always do his part. He, he, he's faithful. He'll always do his part. But we have to do our part. And that's pretty much what I've been trying to get over to all of us for, for months now. Just really just talking about, okay, that's great. I know that you're, you, know, you, you heard this was going to be your year. And it, it very well could be. I think every year could be your year. <laughs> if you line up with what God's telling you to do, I think every year could be your year. I see people that have year after year, uh, just horrible year after year. It's not because of God. It's not because God wants you to, you know, suffer. That's not why. It's not because God wants you to, you know, be miserable. God didn't save you so that you can have a worse life. He wants to make things better. You know, I love, see, John 10, 10, it says, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So if you're suffering through life, it's not because God has said, you know, I just want you to suffer. I just want you to be miserable. That's not God. That's not what God wants for you. But oftentimes we give the devil access into our life through our disobedience. All right, let me keep moving now. So finding out the will of God, beginning to apply the will of God to our life. And then the Bible says you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you receive the promise. Now, this is what... Um, God really showed me this this year, the beginning of this year. And uh, somebody towards the middle of the year asked me, he said to me, you know, what was the, what's the one thing that you learned about God this year that, that really just kind of you know, was the most important thing that you learned? And I said this, I said, you know what? After thinking about it, I said, God does not come, he does not come immediately, but he comes suddenly. 
That's what I learned. See, because God coming immediately would mean that there would be no time. You would pray and you would just get an answer. That's immediately. But God don't come immediately. He comes suddenly. And see, that, that's a different ballgame because suddenly means that, you know, you may, you, see, you may be walking this thing out, and that's why you have need of patience. You may be walking this thing out for a while, and then when God starts moving, man, I mean, it's like God turns that switch on, and when he starts moving, he starts moving so fast, man, and he just kind of, all of this stuff starts happening, and you're like, whoa. Like, not, not immediately, suddenly. Because when he gets ready to start moving, he starts moving like lightning, man. It, he'll just start blowing your mind. When you have a suddenly in God, that's like when God will erase, like, years of disappointment. You see, Joseph had a suddenly. Joseph had a suddenly. It was God didn't come immediately for Joseph. He got a dream. And he had to go through some stuff for a little bit. And then, you know, he goes through a whole process. His brothers throw him into a pit. Then he gets sold as a slave into Egypt. Then he's over there in Egypt, and he's sold to a man named Potiphar. And he's doing work in Potiphar's house. And God starts blessing him in Potiphar's house and starts raising him up and promoting him there. And then his wife falls in, Potiphar's wife falls in love with Joseph, and, you know, she wants to sleep with him. But Joseph, in his integrity, said, I'm not sleeping with you. So she winds up accusing him of rape. Now he's thrown in prison. So here he is going through the process. In prison, he meets two men, the chief butler and chief baker of the king. And he interprets both of their dreams. Now, after he interprets their dreams, one of them gets out of prison, the chief butler. And he says, when you get out, remember me. Don't forget me, man, because, you know, I'm here for nothing, man. I'm in prison for no reason. So he gets out of prison. The Bible says he forgot about him. <laughs> Two years go by. As God forgets about him. But then the Pharaoh has a dream. The king has a dream. And Joseph is the only one that can interpret it. You want to talk about a sudden God moving suddenly? Now here's this man. He's sitting in prison. And he gets a call. The king wants to see you. He got enough time to shave and to change his clothes. And he's standing before Pharaoh. He interprets his dream, and he never returns to prison again. He becomes second in command of all of Egypt. Like that, man. That's, now, that's suddenly. That's not immediately. That's suddenly. Just like that, his life is turned. He was a prisoner one moment. I don't know how long it took for him to interpret his dream, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. And that time frame between being a prisoner and interpreting his dream, God completely turned his life around. And then the Bible says he has two children. He names the first one Manasseh, which means with one blessing from God, he has caused me to forget everything that I've been through. And see, for some of you, God's going to give you a Manasseh. With one blessing from God, he can make you forget all of the hell you've been through. Everything that you've been through, you could you just forget it. Because that's how awesome he that's how that's how awesome God is and how much he can bless you just with one blessing. 
And then he has another child, and he names him Ephraim, which means God has made me doubly fruitful in the land of my affliction. Doubly fruitful. Some of you are going to have a Manasseh and an Ephraim. He's going to give you one blessing that's going to make you forget everything you've been through the last 10, 15, 20 years, everything that you've been battling with. And then he's going to give you an Ephraim. He's going to cause you to be doubly fruitful. If you just, just go ahead and receive that right now. Just lift your hands to the Lord and just receive that right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just receive. We receive a Manasseh blessing. That one blessing from you that will cause us to forget everything that we have been through. Everything that we have battled with, everything that we've struggled with in life, we thank you that with one blessing, you are well able to cause us to forget everything that we've been through. Every struggle, every trial, every, every heartache, every, every pain, everything that we, every disappointment, every discouragement, you are well able with one blessing to cause us to forget it. And we also receive an Ephraim. We receive that you will make us doubly fruitful, even in a land that we've been afflicted. And some people, God's going to make you doubly fruitful on your job. You've been afflicted on it, and now God is going to make you doubly fruitful there. Lord, we just want to thank you for it. We bless you. God, we just give you praise. We give you glory and honor. We receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, everybody, say amen to that. All right, I'm going on. I got to go on, but I just wanted to, you got, we need to receive that, you know, because I got really, mm. but I put here, see, God uses time to set things in motion. He uses time to set up a series of events, and he requires us to be patient and trust us as he's setting things up. God is such like, he's like a master chess player. God don't play checkers, man. He played chess. And, and God is thinking five moves ahead. The devil, the devil is like concerned about what's happening right now. God is looking down the road. You know, this thing happens here. This thing's just like with Joseph. Like now, Joseph is thinking, man, what's happening to me? God got everything planned. He knows every move that's going down. He, he, he got it all figured out. And some of you right now, your your God is He's moving you around and He's moving pieces around and you're you're sitting there thinking, oh man, this is horrible. I can't believe I'm in this bad situation. Meanwhile, God is working it out. All right, let me move on. I'm about to get ready to close in a few. But God doesn't come immediately, He comes suddenly. He comes suddenly. He comes suddenly. And when he starts moving, man, he starts, he starts moving. He just starts moving. You look at the life of King David. Now, David is on the run from Saul. And he's in, he is so bad. Saul has been chasing him around Israel so much that he has to, he has to leave Israel. And he has to move into the Philistines' camp. And he's living in, with the Philistines. And he starts serving the king there. And he's in the foreign land, and 
you know, the bottom line is he's about to go out to war, and the king of the Philistines, they all start saying, the princes start saying, we don't want David over here, you know, send him back. So he has this little town where him and all his men live and his wives and children and stuff like that called Ziglag. And when he returns from this battle, the whole place has gone up in smoke. Somebody, an invading army came by, and they took everybody's wife, everybody's children, and burned the whole place with fire. And here David is and his mighty men. These men were, I mean, ferocious men. One of David's men killed like a thousand people by himself. And these guys, as ferocious as they were, when they saw that their wives were gone and their children were gone, the Bible says that they began to cry so bad that they didn't even have any more tears to cry. You ever been got beat when you was a kid and you just start... <laughs> You didn't, even, you didn't have no tears left. You got beat so bad. <laughs> you cried till you didn't have no more tears left. <laughs> you could barely even make a noise, man. Just, you know, just, you just got this <laughs> stuff dripping out your mouth. <laughs> these, these grown men, I mean, lion men, I mean, these guys were ferocious, man. They tear you apart. They killed the other giants, everything, man. I mean, these guys were something else. And these guys start weeping, man. These guys start crying so much that they didn't have any more tears to weep. And David's crying too. Everybody's crying. And then the Bible says that it got so bad for David that the people start talking about stoning him. <laughs> I mean, not only does he lost his wives and his children, man, now his own men talking about stoning him to death. But the Bible says that David, he encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He begins to remember every past victory. When you encourage yourself in the Lord, which you, there's two ways. Number one, you remember past victories. Number two, you remember future promises. David remembered that he whipped Goliath. He remembered tearing up that lion and that bear. And then he remembered that God made him a promise to make him king. And he said, that hasn't happened yet. There's no way these men can stone me to death because I have not been, become king yet and God has promised it to me. So you got some unfulfilled promises and that's why the devil can't take you out. That's why you're going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord, because there's some unfulfilled promises that God has made you. So he begins to encourage himself in the Lord. And he says, bring me to Ephah. Let me, let's inquire of God. Let me ask God, should we go after these people? And God says, go, because you're going to recover all. And they go, him and his men. And I mean, they whip these guys, man. They tear them apart. And God is so faithful to them that not one of their wives were touched, not one of their children were killed. They recovered their, their, their wives and children, and they took everything that this army had. The key to that, though, is this. A couple of days later, because in the battle that he was about to go to, Saul, Jonathan, 
all of Saul's sons were killed. And a few days later, they make David the king of Judah. Talking about God moving like that, man. What appeared to be the worst day of his life, when he lost everything, not only did he get it all back, he took all of the enemy's stuff. And then a couple of days later, he's made king of Judah. And see, many of you, because you go through days like that, you'd be ready, you're ready to quit. And instead of encouraging yourself in the Lord and going forward, you throw the towel in. See, the devil does things like that to you to try to get you to quit. Because you're the only one that can stop yourself from receiving what God has for you. The devil can't take what God has for you. He can't, he can't stop you. But what he can do is he can try to put a roadblock in your path. And if you allow that roadblock to stop you, you won't go on and get to the thing that God really has for you. You got to stay focused, man. You got to stay focused. This is the year you got to stay focused. So God don't come quickly. He comes suddenly. Then I put here, and now with this confidence, this is not a one and done thing. You got to ask, and the Bible says to keep on asking. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, it says, just as Jesus speaking, he says, ask and keep on asking, and it'll be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you'll find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For whoever one who keeps on asking receives, and who keeps on seeking finds, and to him who keeps on knocking it will be opened. See, this talks about being persistent in prayer. Not just one, oh, I prayed. Persistent in prayer. Consistent in prayer. And in Luke 18, 1 through 8, it says this. Now, I love this scripture. Now, Jesus was telling the disciples a parable to make the point that at all times they ought to pray and not give up and lose heart. At all times. And, and, it says there, not faint, or in other words, not give up or quit. Men ought always to pray and not give up, never quit. And he said, then he gives them a parable. He says, in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and he didn't respect man either. And there was a desperate widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, give me justice and legal protection from my adversary. And it says, for a time, he would not. But later, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, nor respect man, yet because this widow continues to bother me, he says, I will give her justice and legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will be an intolerable annoyance to me, and she'll wear me out. <laughs> he says, then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not our just God defend and avenge his elect, his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in providing justice on their behalf? I tell you that he will defend and avenge them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this type of persistent faith on the earth? See, God is looking for 
persistent faith. He's looking for persistent faith. We give up too quick. If we don't see things happen right away, we just give up. There's some prayers that I've been praying for two years before I saw them come to pass. But you got to keep on. See, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. You got to be persistent with your prayers. You got to be consistent in prayer. You got to keep putting it up before God. You got to keep, every time God turns around, I want him to see my prayers. <laughs> I want him to become a living memorial before him. Until he just says, let me just go ahead and answer this thing. <laughs> I'm believing for answers, man. And he says, keep on asking. And I just, I got a list of stuff that I, I keep on praying for. And, and eventually I start seeing those things come to pass. Not the first day I prayed. Maybe not even the, the 30th day I prayed. <laughs> but, but eventually I start seeing those things come to pass. Remember, God uses, see, God uses all of that as material to work with. Because God is, see, he's, he's a chess master, man, so he's working things out. See, we pray, and I'll say this much. The larger your request, the longer oftentimes it takes for it to work. I'll also say this. If your prayers ever have to do with someone else, it could definitely take a while. <laughs> but the reason, why, the reason why I say that is because, see, God will, God will influence people, but he will not force them to do something that they don't want to do. So he'll influence, but he'll never force. So you can be praying, yeah, I want so-and-so to be saved. That's a great prayer, and we should pray that. But at the end of the day, if they don't want to be saved, make them a man of God. Make her a woman of God. Now, God will influence. God will send people, put people in their path and stuff like that and have people talk to them. But if they have it in their mind, I don't want to serve God. He's not going to make them serve them. See, God is not into, see, whenever you control someone, or try to force somebody to do something, you're no longer walking in the realm of God because that is witchcraft. The purpose of witchcraft is to control and to dominate someone. See, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to control people. He wants to force people to do things. But see, God doesn't operate that way. And I always said that if God was going to influence, if he was going to take control over anybody's decision, it would have been Adam. He'd been sitting there with that fruit in his hand. He would have knocked that thing out of his hand. <laughs> Before he took that bite, he would have slapped his face with that fruit <laughs> out of his hand. <laughs> but he didn't. He allowed him to eat it because he had a free will. He has a free will. And people have free wills. And see, when you begin to pray prayers and people have you know, and you're trying to get God to influence somebody or change somebody. The best God will do is influence them. But he'll never force them. So I put here, you know, 
I'm learning more and more that persistent prayer gets results. That's why Jesus teaches us to ask and keep on asking. And we will receive to seek and keep on seeking that we will find and knock and keep on knocking and that the door will be open to us. And I put here, see, I'm convinced that we have been falsely taught that we shouldn't keep praying for things. I've heard people say that if you really believe, you don't have to keep on asking God for the same thing. You've heard that, right? But apparently, according to this scripture, that's not factual. There are too many scriptures that point to the fact that we should ask for things persistently. In Hebrews 11, the Bible says that he is a reward of them who will diligently seek him. Bottom line is God wants to make us to make a consistent effort in your pursuit of him and the things that you're believing for. You're believing God for healing your body? Cry out for it day and night. You know, I just did a, uh, I just did a podcast. You know, I started doing a podcast uh, recently. And if you want to learn how to do that, Elder Eben will show you how to get onto it. But it's, it's, it's on for Apple phones. It's also for, um, you know, for Android phones and stuff like that. Anybody can get it. But um, I've been putting the Thursday night messages on it. Today's message will be on there as well. And then also, if God gives me something, uh, he puts something in my heart, I'll put it on there. But recently, I put on there um, healing scriptures. People that's battling with, with sickness in their body, I put on there not just the scriptures. I went through all of the, you know, a bunch of scriptures. But then I also began to pray so I could show people how to pray those scriptures over their physical bodies if they're battling with sickness. Now, you sick. You can't be just sitting there and just, you know, letting the devil beat up on you. You have to begin to do what you can do, right? You do all you can do, right? And that, that means you need to change your eating habits or if you need to change, you know, if you need to exercise, that's your part. Then you need to put God in remembrance of his word. The Bible says, God said, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Put, remind me of what I said to you. Remind me of my promises that I've made you. And see, that was the whole purpose of me doing that little podcast so that you can know those scriptures and that you could put God in remembrance of the things that he's promised to you as it pertains to healing in your physical body. But you need to be consistent and you need to be persistent. Like, like he said, see, crying out day and night. You want healing in your body? You better cry out day and night. You know, the Bible says concerning Hezekiah, the prophet Isaiah walks into the room. Now we ain't talking about you know, this guy on TV talking about him, I sell you a handkerchief, and, I, and you know, and, and, <laughs> and, you know, this guy on TV talking about, I got miracles, spring water, whatever, you know. And then, you know, if you, if you give me $10, you know, then I'll prophesy for you. And then if you give me $100, you get a better prophecy. We ain't talking about that kind of prophecy, prophet. Everybody won't call themselves a prophet nowadays. We got Isaiah the prophet. <laughs> now, Isaiah walks in the room. You're talking about real deal, man. He walks in the room. King Hezekiah is sitting in there, you know, relaxing, doing whatever. He walks inside the palace. He said, get your house in order. You're going to die and not live. And he turns around walks out the door. You talk about, man, you talk about <laughs> the word of the Lord has come. And I mean, he, I mean, you know, let me talk to you. You know, this is, I got really bad news for you. No, he walks inside the door. Get your house in order. You're going to die and not live. And he turns around walks out. 
mean, now you know, it's written on the wall. You're finished, man. Isaiah just prophesied to you. And it's, it's nothing good. It's, it's doom and gloom. Just start getting your house in order. But the Bible says that Hezekiah, he turned his face to the wall. And he begins to pray. He begins to say, God, you know, I've served you with an upright heart. I've done everything. You know, he starts, he starts rehearsing his resume to God, putting God in remembrance of the things that he's done. And the Bible says that before Isaiah could even get out of the palace, God spoke to him and said, go back and tell him that I've extended his life for 10 years, 15 years. That's right. You talk, see, he didn't, you know, oh, God, you know. He turned around, start praying. See, most of us, we hear bad news like that. We're going to get on the phone start talking to people. <laughs> you know, this guy, man, he did, when, it's, turning his face to the wall was symbolic of him cutting everything off. Cut TV off, you know. You see people that go inside a hospital, they got a death sentence. They're in, they're in bed watching TV. And you believe in God for healing, you watching TV. That TV ain't going to heal you. Ain't nothing going, that TV ain't doing nothing for you. Cut that thing off and start praying. Crying out, he said, cry out day and night, God heal me. You said in your word. That Jesus himself was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement that brought me peace was laid upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed of all sicknesses, infirmities, and disease. Now I'm believing for you to heal my body in Jesus' name. Crying out day and night. Put on some worship music and sit inside there and just invite the presence of God in that room so he can touch you. God can't come in that room because you're watching junk on TV. You got to create an atmosphere. That's why, we, that's why we do praise and worship. We do praise and worship so we can create an atmosphere for God to dwell in. We want his presence to be here. Before I get up here and minister, I want, I want the presence of God to be here. So we worship him. We praise him. And then his presence just comes in. You can't put on something that's going to turn God off. I've sat inside people's rooms, they watching TV, you know, and I started start trying to pray for them. And I mean, I'm like, cut that thing off. Pray for me, Pastor. Cut that thing off then. I can't even get into the presence because I'm hearing this crap you got on TV. Turn that thing off. And I'm not saying that you can't watch TV. You know, I watch TV. What I'm saying is if you're trying to, if you're, try, if you're battling with something, what are you doing watching TV? It ain't helping you. You're sitting there trying to be entertained and you want to be healed. All right, man, let me move on, man. I just, you know. If you want, you want results, man, you got to come after them. You got to go for it. You want, you want, you want to be, I want to, I want to have my finances in order, but you buy everything that you, you know, everything that your little beady eyes want. And if you can't afford now, you then you you charge it. 
Your credit card is all the way up to the max. And you're, I'm believing God for a blessing in my finances. God, do your part. I right, see, this is not the message people want to hear. They just want to hear, yeah, this is my year. Just preach to me that this is my year. Just tell me I'm going to get some green in 2019. That's all I want to hear. <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's my new uh, thing for 2019. <laughs> get some green in 2019. Just tell me that, Pastor. Don't tell me I got to do nothing. <laughs> you want to get some green, you better begin to save. Stop spending. Stop buying $5 lattes. Stop buying $20 and $30 scratch-offs and lottery tickets. Stop spending $10 on a pack of cigarettes. People smoke. Two packs a day. I mean, now, okay, when it was $1.50, <laughs> cigarettes, $10 now, man. My God, man, I'm like, <laughs> unbelievable. I ain't got no money. You know, something, something, man. <laughs> I said, you know, <laughs> I don't have no money to save, but you got money for cigarettes. You got money for, for lottery scratch-offs. You know how much that costs? If you save that money, don't have no money for that. Eat out every night. I ain't no money for that. Got no money to save. I don't know, man. I'm just kind of like, I don't know, somewhere else. <laughs> My point is, you know, if you want, if you want some change, you got to change. That's my point. You want change? You want some change in your life? You want 2019 to be the best year you ever had? Then you're going to have to make some changes. Whatever those changes are. Sit down with people. You know, they got the deluxe cable package. Every, every, every channel. Every channel on the TV. Like you got a thousand channels. You don't even barely watch none of them. And you all tell me, I can't, ain't nothing on TV. You got a thousand channels, ain't nothing on TV. And you pay $300 a month for it? Cut it off. You ain't got nothing on it. Anyway, cut it off. Amazing, man. Got these phones, man. Two, $300 a month phone bills. I don't have no money to save. Oh, yeah, you could. But, but see... This is, but, but this is the key, right? This is the, what the poverty mentality says. And see, that's why I was saying before that most people, God, God gave me, an, uh, um, he began to speak to me about breakthroughs, right? And he says, see, most people, when they think about breakthrough, they think that God's going, if you're going to give me a breakthrough in my finances, God's going, he means God's going to give me some money. That's what the breakthrough means. I'm going to get a breakthrough. You're going to break through my finances, right? God said to me, he said, what most people need as far as a breakthrough is to break down the walls that they have built up in their mind. Financially, breaking down the poverty mentality. 
that's built up in their mind. Some people can't become wealthy because they got poverty mentality. And I'm not trying to say that offensively. But people have a poverty mentality, and that hinders them from going further in life. The poverty mentality will stop you from, from giving. I don't have it. I don't have enough. Yeah. The poverty mentality will try to make you see, believe that you cannot save for your future. I just don't have it. But we've been so conditioned to be consumers that if I, if, I, if I had your TV cut off and saved you $300 a month, you'll find something else to blow it on. The thought for saving won't come into your mind because we're not conditioned to be savers. We're conditioned to be consumers. We spend money. We don't, we don't save it. We spend it. All right. I didn't mean to depress nobody. I didn't mean to depress nobody. But I want to get you thinking because we're about to go into a new year. And with new year comes a, an opportunity, right? There's new opportunities available. But if you don't begin to take advantage of those opportunities, you're going to have the same 2019 you had 2018, 17, 16. The years will blend into each other. They'll be all the same. No matter how much God wants to bless you, because your mind has not caught up with what God wants to do, you'll never be able to make it to where God wants you to wants to take you. See, gotta gotta start bringing those walls down. Those walls gotta come down. Start making some different choices, and God will start doing some different things in your life. All right, so we're going to close. I'm going to go ahead and close here. I'm going to close here. Just lift your hands to Jesus. I just want you to receive this word today. Because I believe that through me ministering this word like this, that those walls are going to start coming down. Something's going to click. Or you say, you know what? I'm going to stop doing this. Because I want better. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to thank you. We bless you. God, we worship you. We give you all the praise. We give you glory and we give you honor. Father, I thank you for our beautiful people. I'm believing with them that this year is going to be the best year that they've ever experienced in their life. But I realize that even though that's what you want for all of us, Although you want to bless our socks off, it's not so much up to you as it is up to us, up to our actions, up to whether or not we want to be obedient to the word of God, whether or not we will listen when you begin to speak. If we begin to flow with you, if we just begin to flow with you, You'll begin to do things in our life that will absolutely blow our minds. So, Father, we just want to thank you. We bless you, Father. We worship you. We thank you for your word. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name that nobody was offended by this word today, but that this word will begin to break through 
the walls that have been built up in their minds, that those walls will begin to come down. They'll come down and then light will enter in. Revelation will begin to enter. And everybody here, I'm believing, will see new possibilities for their life. And as a result, they will begin to experience their best life. And Father, for we just want to thank you. We bless you. God, we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's just give Jesus a praise here. Come on. You can do better than that. Let's give Jesus a praise. Amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen, amen. Father, we just thank you. We worship you. We glorify. We glorify. Thank you, Father. All right.